What I, I would like to start with this morning is actually just, um, for those of you that weren't here on Thursday night, we had an amazing time of uh, a prophetic evening where our friend um, Justin Long from Germany, he's in Dresden, he came just to encourage our church and to speak some words over our church, which was really, really encouraging. Um, and there were four little things that he said that I, I just want to highlight this morning before I preach out of um, our series on Peter. But um, he, he really just tried, brought a word to encourage us as a congregation. And the first, the first kind of element of it was um, he reminded us of the scripture out of 2 Kings 13, verse 14, which I'll read quickly. It says this, Elisha had been suffering from illness from which he died. And Jehoash, the king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said. So he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said. And he shot. And the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha cried. And he said, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. So the, the king took them, and Elisha told them, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram, completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And Elisha died and was buried. And the encouragement that um, um, Justin brought us was that as we've trusted God for many things over a long period of time, now is not the time to give up, was to persevere and to keep on striking the ground so that all that we've been praying for and longing for and, and trusting God for for many years, we'd begin to see that breakthrough. And so it really was a very encouraging uh, um, start to what he brought for us. And then interestingly, he kind of led from that into uh, this little phrase, and he said, I keep getting this phrase, the tipping point. Isn't that incredible? Because four weeks ago, Helen preached a message called the tipping point, in which she referenced uh, a prophetic word that God gave us through Greg Haslam from Westminster Chapel 10 years ago, where he talked about God bringing us to a tipping point as a church. And the, uh, it was just so fascinating to see the same language in this prophetic word that Justin brought. And he was, just say, he was just saying, God has brought us to this point where he's bringing an increase in growth and momentum and acceleration. And what we've been seeing over the last period is going to speed up. And there's a new anointing coming for us as a church, a corporate anointing uh, as a church. And then the, the third part was the sense of uh, the river in Ezekiel where he said the, the level of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the level of God's presence and anointing is going to rise in our corporate sense as a church, and he's going to, we're going to become known as a house of praise. Um, and so he prophesied that over the church, and um, that included the worship. And he said he felt that God was going to increase what he was doing in the worship in our church, um, and that there's going to be a season of, season of songwriting, a season, season of um, recording and expressing worship out of this church, that is, we're going to become known for that as a church congregation. So I was really excited. Well, I thought, God, bring it on. Let's have some of these things. Amen? And so it's always encouraging when someone comes from the outside who doesn't really know your situation at all, and uh, we've only met Justin in the last year or so, 
and he, he accurately was able to speak into our church life, and he also had um, incredible words for individuals. So the, the Scripture says we shouldn't despise prophecy, huh? that we should take it, pray it through, and trust God that He's going to do what He's promised through His Word. So I really want to encourage you with that this morning and ask that you would continue to pray for those things, that we would see those things in our lifetime. So with that as an introduction, I want to preach to you this morning or f- f- share, continue sharing from our, uh, our series on uh, 1 Peter. And if you've got your Bibles, please turn uh, again to the first chapter of Peter. Uh, we're going to look at verse 20 to 25. I started looking at these verses last week, uh, and we're going to continue to look at them this morning. This is part eight. If you've uh, missed out on any of the, um, the last couple of weeks, please go online and catch up on... Uh, Spotify or on um, iTunes, the messages are there for you to listen to. So verse 20 says this, it says, He, speaking of Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believed in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. So your faith and hope are in God. We looked at those two verses last week, and uh, this is what I want to focus on for today. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your words. I want to thank you for the power of your words. I want to thank you for the word that transforms us and changes us from the inside. And I pray this morning, Lord, you'd help me to communicate well and preach to encourage every heart here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So remember the big theme of this book is how can we learn to live well when things are difficult, all right? And how many of you would think, uh, agree with me that the last couple of years have been difficult? There's a Chinese proverb that says it's a curse to live in, in, in interesting times. Well, I'm not saying it's a curse right now, but it's, a, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? In interesting times, you don't p- particularly want to live when things are too interesting. It's nice to have a little bit of, of constancy in your life, isn't it? And uh, the the last couple of years certainly have been interesting for all of us, and we've all had to respond in different ways and um, in appropriate ways to the challenges that we've all faced. But the theme of Peter is how can we learn to live well when things are difficult, when there is trial, when there is um, a sense of persecution. And so we've been looking at this uh, over the last couple of weeks, and um, Peter It's been following a logical order in what he's been trying to encourage us with as those that are reading this letter. Remember, we've been looking at, first of all, what God has done for us. And that's where the Bible always starts. That's where the Christian message always starts. It always starts with what God has done for us. And then it says, 
in the light of what God has done for you, you respond appropriately with your life to what God has already done for you in Jesus. The Bible never starts, the Christian faith never starts with a list of rules of things that you have to do in order to please God or things that you have to do in order to live a moral life. It always starts with what God has already done for you. And because God has so blessed you and lavished His grace on your life, then the appropriate response is that we offer up ourselves a living sacrifice. And we start to live from the inside, not following rules from the outside, but from the inside. Because we are free on the inside, we can start to live in a completely different way, with different dreams, different hopes, different aspirations, different values, because God has transformed us on the inside. This is the gospel. This is the message that we proclaim. And this is what Peter is trying to get us to understand. And so after he's reminded us of what God has done, Peter comes with a general challenge, as I've said, to commit our lives to living out what God has really done for us. And most of all, he says that needs to be motivated with a heart of love. And in the first chapter, up until about verse 13, he, he, he spends a lot of time speaking about that. And then I also said to you that this pattern that Peter follows is quite common in the New Testament. Whenever you read a letter of Paul to the letter to the Corinthians or the Galatians or the Ephesians, he always starts with what God has done for you, the amazing salvation that you have in Jesus. Paul starts in exactly the same way, and then he challenges us to live in line with what Jesus has already done in our lives. And so Peter and Paul both follow the same pattern as they try and encourage us through the letters that they've written. And then last week, uh, I mentioned specific encouragements that Peter gives us. And the first um, encouragement that Peter gives us, how we can live well in terms of our lives when things are difficult, he just says, the first place he starts is, remember the character of God. God is holy. And he says, because I am holy and because you are my children, in the same way, be holy like I am. So the first basic motivation for us to live a godly life is it's because our Father in heaven is a holy God and, 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 and he wants us to be holy like he is holy. That's the first motivation. Secondly, um, Peter says, and we looked at this in a little bit more detail, remember, God is an impartial judge and he will judge each person according to to their work. And remember, I try to make it quite clear to you that when Peter's talking about that, he's not talking about being saved. He's not talking about faith. He's talking about the works that result in your life from faith. And he's saying on that day, the day of judgment, when you and I appear before God and we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We hear the, the accolade of God over our lives. Everything that has been of value in his kingdom produces for us a reward, a crown that we will receive on that day. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about when we receive our reward, when we receive our eternal inheritance and glory one day, he's saying God is impartial and he's not going to have any favorites and all of us are going to be treated the same and everything that has not been pleasing to God in our lives on that day will be burnt up and all that will remain is the gold, is the inheritance, is the glory that he has for us. And so that's an encouragement in this life to throw off everything that doesn't please him. Because on that day, we want to have a crown that is pure and glory, glorified in every way. Amen? 
So that's the second thing that he reminds us of. He says, live well now because actually you are restoring up for yourself in heaven a reward one day. And that glory is to, that is to come cannot have anything uh, impure and anything that doesn't please God. So actually try and throw it off right now. Okay? That's the second thing he says. Thirdly, he reminds us that the blood of Christ delivers us from the power of sin in our lives and the penalty of sin in our lives. And so we can live well now. We don't no longer under the power of sin. The penalty of sin has been removed. Death has been removed. But the power of sin right now has been broken over our lives, and we can live differently because that power no longer controls us. We have another power that controls us in the side of us, and it's the resurrection power of Jesus. Peter says, live from the source of that power in your life. Amen. And here now, such a beautiful portion this morning, isn't it? I was just thinking about this week. What an encouragement. Love each other deeply from the heart. Oh, I was thinking, God, how do we do that? In a, in a, in a church with such diverse people, how do, we, how do we learn to love each other deeply from the heart? How, how can we get that right? How can we be a, a family? How can we be a community that truly, deeply loves each other from the heart? Well, Peter gives us some clues this morning that we're going to look at. That's a great challenge, isn't it? To love each other deeply from the heart. If only we could get that right, church communities would be life wherever they go. Wouldn't it wouldn't be true? Wouldn't have to, you know, try and crack the whip to get people to love each other. They would just be spontaneously by the power of the Spirit, loving each other from deeply from the heart. That's what Peter says. And how does he say that is possible? Well, he has the Here's the beautiful thing. <laughs> he says that all of us that live by faith have been born again with an imperishable seed that will never be taken away from us. It's already about what God has done inside of you by the power of the Spirit. He's saying you already have been born again. That seed of the new nature inside of you that comes alive when you say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. When you put your faith in Jesus, that imperishable seed, it will never die. It cannot be taken from you. By that seed, you are born again, and you cannot be unborn again. Once you are born again, you are born again. And there's a seed of the new man inside of you that begins to grow and get strong and be encouraged and grow and get strong like a man. And Paul says, don't remain a child anymore. What is he saying? Don't be a baby on the inside. No, by the word, by worship, by fellowship, by prayer, the new man. Let him get strong and exercise his muscles and become a powerful man. In the Holy Spirit, a mature man, not a child anymore, not a baby, just having milk. But the seed, sorry, I'm up too loud. I can see some of the people are like, please, I didn't sign up for this. You're shouting at me. Okay. I do feel passionate about this. This is the good news. This is, this is, the, this is the gospel that we proclaim and he says that that imperishable life comes to you as you respond to the Word of God, as the Word of God takes root inside of you. And so what does he say? He, he unpacks this idea in verse 22. He says, you have purified yourself by obeying the truth. That's how you purify yourself. 
you, are, you respond in obedience to what God is saying to you. And that purifies your life. And then he says, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Do you notice that Peter makes a connection between obedience and purity? Do you notice that? Sometimes we want to, oh God, take all the stuff away by the power of your spirit. You know, just, yes, we are washed and cleansed by the power of the spirit, absolutely. But there's some, there's some battling we have to do for purity in our lives. Isn't that so? There's some battling. You, you have to take control of some of the things in your life. If you have a problem with anger, take control of your anger by the power of the spirit. If you have a problem with sexual purity, control yourself not to push the button that links you to the website by the power of the Spirit. Say no. You have a choice. I have a choice. We have choices. There's a battle that enables us to put to death things in our lives by the power of the Spirit. Peter says, purity comes as you obey by the power of the Spirit. As you say yes, Jesus, to this, and you say no, Jesus, to that. Purity comes into your life. And so there's a connection. Sometimes people make a connection with, with baptism. I've heard this uh, when we've baptized people before. They make this mistake. They say, uh, you know, baptism is a symbol of what God has already done inside of you. So when you go under the water, it's a symbol of you dying to your old man and you being resurrected to a new, being a new person in Christ. It doesn't purify you. The water has nothing to do with purifying you. So I've heard people saying this, I've got, a lot of, I've got a lot of sin to deal with in my life. So when I go under the water, it's going to be washed away. Uh, it's true, the blood of Christ washes you from all sin, but actually the water does nothing. The water is just a symbol of what God has already done. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of what God has done on the inside of you by the power of His Spirit. So sometimes people get confused and they make this connection with baptism. There's nothing, there's no ceremony in the New Testament that is, ever carry, that is carried out in order that we purify ourselves. Nothing in the New Testament that does that. Purity comes in our lives as we respond to the Holy Spirit, as we hear the Holy Spirit, as we obey the Holy Spirit, our hearts are purified. That's how it works in the, in the New Testament. And so wherever the gospel is preached, we are called to respond in obedience. And that's how God purifies us. And makes us into new people. Do you notice, secondly, that Peter makes the connection be between these two things. And he says that purity and obedience is what makes it possible for you to love each other. Come on. How is it possible that we can love each other deeply from the heart? We allow our, our hearts to be purified by the Spirit as we obey Him. That's why, the, 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 did you see the kind of logic of the gospel? The logic of the gospel is this. Peter says in your meetings, uh, Paul says in your meetings, don't gossip. Be kind to one another. Think the best of each other. <laughs> why does it say that? Why, the logic is obvious, isn't it? The logic is if you are gossiping about someone else, if you're being unkind to someone else, if you're angry with other people, if you do not forgive from the heart, you can never love someone sincerely from the heart when you have those attitudes inside of you, can you? Of course you can't. I've been married a long time to a most wonderful lady, 27 years, 28 years. We've discovered this. We've discovered this in our life. Do you, want, do you want the devil to come and live in your home? No. 
Do you know how you can invite the devil into your home? You don't forgive. You hold grudges. You sulk. And the devil says, thank you. What a wonderful place. I'll come live in this home. Yeah, and you can you can feel that. You can get in, you can walk into someone's home and you just feel like there's something not cool here. There's just an atmosphere in this place. And I'm not getting super spiritual, but then you can walk into someone else's home and you can just feel this sense of freedom and liberty and joy and kindness and peace. Why? Because that's the fruit of the spirit. And it's practiced in that home. And so, my friends, I want to encourage you in our home together, this community, this family, that we practice those things every time we get together. That in this place, there is no judgment, there's kindness, there's peace, there's forgiveness. That when people come into this community, they can smell and taste those things, and they are real. We've got some Dutch friends. The Dutch have this um, uh, expression, you can taste. So whenever you ask them if something's authentic, they say, well, just, just taste. Pru is the word in, in Dutch. Pru. It means you taste. It means you know what is authentic. You can taste it. You can just feel it. You know it's real. It's there. And I would love to see this congregation, every time people come through the doors, that they just feel God's kindness, His peace, His forgiveness, His power, His presence, because we are living it out by the power of the Spirit. Amen. So that's why when we say, when we do our grounded course, we say, we don't want to tolerate gossip in this church. Why? Because we know that gossip and the presence of God don't go together. <laughs> and wherever we've been in a church where there's gossip, it's just ugly and unkind, and no one wants to be there. But where there's no gossip, where there's forgiveness, everybody wants to be there. Because why? Because no one's feeling judged. No one's feeling under the cosh. They know that they're accepted and loved and are children of the King. That's it. It's so simple, isn't it? And we can't do it. How do we do it? By the power of the Spirit. We allow the Word of the, to come to us. We allow the, the Spirit to speak to us. And we obey. And as we obey, our hearts are purified. And out of a pure place of love, we can love each other deeply from the heart. Come on now. This is good news. This is what Peter's trying to get us to say. And so, do you notice thirdly, that Peter's words imply that before you are saved, things are not right with you. Do you notice that? He's saying you need to be purified. And the only way to get purified is to be born again. Is to have the Spirit of God bring to life inside of you what is dead. That you cannot even know your Father until you have been born again. It's not possible. It's not possible to know God as Father through the power of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus. Unless you are born again, you cannot even know your Father. You need to be purified. And so this is our message. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And people often have a problem and they say, Christianity is too exclusive. You know, we need to include everyone. And the main thing is love. And I say, amen. The main thing is love. Absolutely. But... The, the one who came full of grace and truth said, there's only one way. There's only one way to my Father. There's one gate through which you enter. And it's not through just being a nice person. It's not through following rules. It's not through following other religions. There's only one way. It's through my Father, through my Son, Jesus. And as you come through that gate, you are born again. And you begin to know your Father 
in heaven by the power of the Spirit. So yes, Christianity is exclusive. It says this one way. His name is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. And so the point is, Peter's saying, is actually just remember that before you knew Jesus, your life needed to be purified. And actually before you know Jesus, you're incredibly selfish. And I'm incredibly selfish. And actually your whole life is self-centered until you come to know Christ. And when you come to know Christ, something happens on the inside and the new man begins to love other people and consider other people and want the best for other people and not just for yourself. That's a true mark of what it means to be born again, is that we live for others, that we're not just concerned with our own needs. And basically, the, 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 the thing I want to point you to is Jesus, once again, who uses an incredibly hard-hitting picture for all the religious people of his day who thought they were pretty cool and doing all the right stuff, praying when they should, fasting when they should, tithing when they should, observing the Sabbath and all the ceremonies, all the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were cool as far as religion went. They followed every single detail of what God called them to do. And what does Jesus say? He pounds on them. And he does pound on them. Listen to what he says, Matthew 25, uh, 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup, but inside, full of greed self-indulgence, you blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. What is Jesus saying? He's saying you're trying to live from the outside. It's not about the outside. It's about the inside. You need a new heart. You need new, new motivation. You need a whole new way of seeing the world. And once that is alive on the inside of you, the outside changes. Jesus makes it quite clear. It's a, I want to encourage you, all of us, let's take care of the hidden person of the heart. I love that phrase the New Testament uses. The hidden person of the heart in Ephesians. The hidden person no one can see. Take care of the hidden person, the new man, the new nature on the inside, and the rest will take care of itself. Fourthly, or whatever it is, I can't even remember. The third, uh, it's actually the third, the third main point. Um, Peter says what helps us to live a, a godly life is that God's Word comes to us. He says in uh, verse um, 23, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. So Peter's saying something happens, something begins to be transformed as you obey the truth. And so... This is, this is our message. This is the word, if you like. This is our message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his kingdom. He is the grand story of history. He is, he is the king of the universe who humbled himself and came and lived as a servant, not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. The king of glory has come and dwelt amongst us. And because he did that, he took upon himself the sins of the world, he died, he rose again, and now he again reigns as king of the universe, and he's seated at the right hand of um, the Father right now, praying for you and praying for me, and in the end, he's, we're going to 
rise and be with Him, and He's going to judge all things. And everything in our lives right now, this is our message, everything in our lives that does not submit to His authority and His Lordship is to be put to death by the power of the Spirit so that we can reign with Him in glory one day. That is our message. That is the Word that has come to us. That is the Gospel that has come to us. We see that promised in the Old Testament. We see it written down and preached by the apostles, and we see it lived out and preached faithfully by every single believer since Jesus until this day that holds to the message of the gospel, that holds to faith in Jesus. That is the message that we preach, and, the, and that is what Peter says. When that word comes to you, when that message comes to you, when that gospel comes to you, it completely transforms your life, and you cannot help but be different. That's what he's saying. Let that message come to you. Let it come as you obey that message in every area of your life. It transforms everything, and that's what I want to land on this morning. That you've, you've heard me say it so many times, I want to say it again. When that message comes to you, you have a new direction, you have a new appetite, you have a new motivation, and that's what the Scripture calls a new heart. Ezekiel says, God takes out the old, stony, selfish, self-serving heart. That only lives for itself. God takes that out and He gives you a new soft heart that is open to His Spirit, that's pliable, that loves Him, that loves His people, that gives you a new direction, that changes everything. And that new heart begins to beat inside of you and it changes your whole life. And you cannot be, cannot be the same. It's impossible because you have a new heart. My dad is, is dying right now because his heart is giving out. He's 87. He had a heart bypass when he was 60, triple bypass, because he's diabetic and his, his arteries were all clot clotted up. But now that new heart is giving up. It was new 20 years ago. That just can't beat anymore. It's just too old. It's, it's, not, it's not working properly. The promises of the Scripture is that the new heart that gives us, that God gives us, is an imperishable seed. It never dies. It can't change. It never runs out. It's always there. And that new heart, that once it starts beating inside of you, and the new man begins to be birthed inside of you, gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what I want to land on this morning. That's why being together is so important. That's why preaching is so important. That's why worship is so important. That is why prayer is so important. Why? Because that is what feeds the imperishable seed inside of you. Every time you are part of those things, the new man inside of you is getting stronger, stronger. Every time, even if you don't like the preacher, every time the word comes to you and it starts to land and bear fruit in your heart, you're getting stronger on the inside. Every time you respond to God in worship, the new man inside of you just flexes his muscles a little bit more and gets stronger. Every time you pray, every time you put your faith in God, the new man inside of you flexes his muscles a little bit more and the new nature becomes stronger and the old man dies a little more. Do you see the logic of the gospel? That's why we give ourselves to living for Christ. That seed that is planted inside of us is imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. The seed of the new life never is taken away. And so we called to develop that new life finally within us. 
as we respond. The Word of God outside of us, the Word of God, Jesus, the Word, the Bible, the Word of God outside of us. As we respond to the Word of God outside of us, He activates the new man inside of us. Does that make sense if I put it like that? Every time you respond in those ways, the new man, the new person, the new ant on the inside gets stronger and begins to respond and grow in every way. And so that's why these things are so important for us who believe by faith. And all of that, when that all starts working together, we are able to do what Peter encourages us to do, to love each other deeply from the heart. When, I, when, it's, when it's my time to go and be with Jesus, if all that is said over this church is, man, those people loved each other from the heart. I will die a happy man. Seriously. Because why? Because then we're living out the gospel. We're living out what is true. Not was that the biggest, flashiest, best church with the most wonderful online meetings and great worship and television ministry and, uh, you know, all this. No. Did they love each other from the heart? If those things come, that's cool. But, but did they love each other deeply from the heart? Was it a place that people wanted to be because they felt loved? They felt the love, of, the love of the Father and the love of the other people. Amen. This is the message that we have. Let's live the message out with all of our hearts by the power of the Spirit. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to respond to the Lord. I want to ask you to, um, if you want, if you feel comfortable, just to raise your hands. And all that is, is just a symbol, uh, symbol of saying, Jesus, uh, I'm responding to you. I'm submitting to you. And I'm opening myself as I open my hands to receive from you. Um, Jesus, I want to thank you for these beautiful people. Thank you for this amazing, generous, kind family that you've blessed us with here at this church. And Holy Spirit, we, we just acknowledge right now that we can't do this without you. You are the one that enables us in every way. And we depend completely on you for these things. And as we respond this morning to your word, we, we pray that you'd come and strengthen us all on the inside. I pray for this week. You know, you know what lies ahead of us, each, each of us this week. You know what lies ahead of us. Lord, we need your grace to to move through this week and to love people and to love our families and to love each other. We ask for that empowering that comes by your Spirit. We ask, Lord, I pray for all of us that we'd be quick to obey when we hear the promptings of your voice, whether it's through your Word or through other people or through prayer. When, you, when we hear you speak, we would obey, knowing that that is what purifies knowing that is what enables us to love each other. It's when we obey your word, when we obey the promptings of your spirit. Jesus, help us, I pray. We'll be bold and confident every time we hear your voice and we'll respond immediately. And my prayer, Lord, is for all of us, that new man on the inside, that imperishable seed that you've placed in our hearts by the power of your Spirit that has enabled us to be born again. Lord, let that man grow. Let that woman grow. That new nature inside of us grow. Or we might become strong in every way and live for others and please you 
in the way that we live our lives. That we truly would love each other deeply from the heart. Pray that you'd minister to all of us right now by your spirit. Just letting these things settle deeply in, in us. In Jesus' precious name.